Good morning once again and happy Sabbath. You know, the title of my sermon was Prayer Causes Changes. And it does. Um, You know, you pray for a lot of different things many times. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes God holds them back from you. I know it seems like the past five, six months, there's been things we've been praying for. You know, good weather for my daughter's wedding outside. God provided that. The day before the wedding, it was a hailstorm. They moved people into the house because it was so bad. But, you know, not every prayer is answered. You know, and you, you think of the changes. And I don't mean little changes. I don't mean, you know, moving the furniture around, painting walls, whatever. I'm talking about life changes and matters of the heart. You know, I'm not a big change person. I don't like change that well. I like to keep things pretty going pretty smooth, and that's just me. I'm sure there's other people like that. Then I stop and think, you know, how many things do I need to change? How many habits do I need to break? What do they say? It takes 21 days to change a habit? Eh, I think sometimes it may take longer. You know, I've, I've seen people struggle with smoking. You know, they set them down, walk away, never have that problem again. I've seen people struggle the rest of their life. My mom and dad, perfect examples. Smoked for 30 years. They had their first grandchild. We had five boys in my family, if you didn't know. First grandchild that came along, my brother said, uh, you know, if you're going to be smoking, we're not coming to the house. My dad set him down, not a problem. My mom struggled the rest of her life with smoking. She didn't smoke in front of anybody. You know, she would hide it, but you could smell it. And when she passed away, you know, it wasn't smoking that killed her, but it was. Um, You know, her veins and stuff were so brittle that they just couldn't take it. So, you know, I've seen that both ways. But what is change? It's to make or become different. I only see two ways that change is. It's either for the better or for the worse. Now, what would be a good change? You guys have any? What would be a good change for somebody? To do what? Exercise. Exercise. Healthy. Different things. And there's a thousand different things. But the thing that God brought to my mind is a good change would be coming closer to God. And all that stuff works with it. If you exercise, if you eat healthy, you do different things, you're becoming closer to God even if you don't realize it. So obviously a bad change would be what? Something that pulls you away from God. Takes time away from God. Takes anything that gets between you and God. And like I was talking to the kids downstairs today, I said, Satan really does not care 
if it's a big sin or if it's just that little tiny sin over here in the corner. Satan doesn't care because that's where he's at. And for a good change, I was going to read John 15, verse 17. So if you could turn with me in your Bible to John 15, 17. And it reads, These things I command you, that you love one another. So is that a good change? Do we need to love one another? I was talking to uh, Dennis Bailey this morning. Popped into my mind. I called him. He's been in the hospital. He's home now, which I didn't know, so that was great news. But he said, he says, we need to be unified. We were talking. And we do. We need to love one another as brothers and sisters. So what is something for... Let me see. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So I would kind of think that might be leaning towards, you know, a bad change, something that pulls you away. You know, we need to be in the world. We need to be out there mixing talking with people, but we don't need to be of the world. And there's sometimes a fine line when you're, you know, you're in this setting. That line sometimes gets bent, curves a little bit. But we just need to be, we need to be out there, but we don't need to be of the world. What about... The changes in this church in the last couple months. We only have to go back a couple months. What kind of changes happened in this church? Our pastor is leaving. Before he left, what did he do? He baptized seven people in this church in one day. I see some of them here today. So after you're baptized... Life is good, isn't it? Everything is perfect. No problems. Do you have any problems, Curtis? You did? Wow. Been sick lately? And you know why? Because Satan knows you're trying to get closer to God. Once you become baptized, man, it seems like Satan does extra work. He, I know he always, he's still working. You know, all of the time. So what else was there? Let me see. I better put my glasses on. We had two graduate from high school. These are only the ones I can remember. We had one graduate from Andrews, four from the eighth grade. One became engaged. So how many know who that is? Huh, I knew it. Jordan Skinner is engaged. She's going to be married in December at Camp Asable. Two were married. How many know who that was? Okay. They're both here today. They're not sitting by each other. Austin, sit by your wife. 
we had to sign some papers yesterday, and I'm just going to be honest. When they said Cherie Skinner, I went, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I will get used to that someday. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things. People's taking new jobs. I don't think we've had any, any babies born lately. But, you know, lives change all the time. So I embarrassed my daughter a little bit, and Austin. That's good. I can do that. In Romans 5.8, which was our scripture reading, it said, But God commandeth his love toward us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Well, he did die for us, but he also died just for me. And most of the time, I don't think I deserve that. We were, uh, I was asked to uh, talk to the kids on, it was Wednesday night downstairs. They bring somebody in. If you haven't been able to do this or haven't been asked yet, talk to Andy. And you kind of give your little testimony about, you know, your life and the kids ask you questions and different things. Well, a lot of the kids didn't know that I didn't grow up a Seventh-day Adventist. You know, I was pretty far from it. When, well, no, I wasn't real far from it, because when I grew up in Bristol, the Adventist church was here. I could see it from my house. The Baptist church was here. And I always thought it was a little strange that they went to church on Saturday. I had a friend in the neighborhood named Brock Arms. When we were little, we did all kinds of things together. And he went to this church, and occasionally I went to the Baptist church if there wasn't a ball game going on or weren't busy. But I got thinking, actually this morning I thought, you know what? I don't remember anybody ever going with me. I went by myself. And I thought, God must have been pricking at my heart a little bit that I needed to go which I probably did. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say. You know, one thing led to another. In the way that I became introduced into the church, I don't know, it was several years later. I was probably 18, 19 years old. I was headed to a job, and I was driving down the road, and I see a a black car pulled off the side of the road with the hood up. I'm like, well, I better stop. You know, somebody needs help. Well, I hadn't seen Brock Arms in probably 10 years. They went to academy. I went to high school. It was Brock. So I t took him back home, and, you know, we did a few things together. His, his grandpa and Brenda's grandpa, he would come up to our mill. One day out of the blue, he says, are you seeing anyone? And her grandpa was, he was cool. He was, he always seemed like he was about 80. He was. I said, no. He says, well, then you need to call my granddaughter. And I said, no. That's not the way that works. But you know what? God impressed me to call. And so we've been married 25 years since last Wednesday, and, you know, it's 
it's totally different than where I thought my life would have ended up when I was young. But I cannot imagine it without. So you never know what God is going to do. God knows best. I keep telling myself that with the pastor. Okay. God has something else in mind. Typically, I like to help. But, you know, sometimes we're not in control. I don't like that feeling very well. So, how can we change someone's life? We can change it by prayer and by witnessing. You know, I think, how can I do anything? And then I stop and I think, you know, a few years back, I was praying, Lord, give me somebody to witness to. And we have a sawmill, and I don't really see that many different people all the time. I mean, it's the same truck drivers. It's the same people that come in and out. And the very first day I prayed that prayer, I loaded a chip truck, and I took an invoice down for him to sign. His name's Pete. And he goes, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah. He goes, you're Seventh-day Adventist? Because, you know, we talked a little bit. And I said, yep. And he was uh, Christian reform. He goes, we're quite a bit alike. I said, well, there is one difference, you know. And we got talking, and we talked probably for a half hour on different problems that they are having, which were the same problems that we're having. You know, and I thought, wow, first day I prayed, you sent somebody to, and I didn't even start the conversation. You know, God took control of that. And then it wasn't too long after that, I had sold a piece of equipment to a gentleman named Dwight. And he was in British Columbia. That's a long ways to go for a piece of equipment. I didn't understand it. And so we were talking, and he said, well, when can I pick it up? And I was the only one that could load this piece of equipment. And I said, well, anytime except Friday night, sundown, to Saturday night, sundown. And he was silent, and I thought, well, here it comes. And he goes, so you will load it on Sunday but not Saturday? And so I'm getting ready to explain to him, you know, why all of this happens. And that's when I told him, I said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and, you know, I believe in the Sabbath. And he goes, and then there was that long silence. And I thought, oh, this is bad. (laughs) Lord, you know, give me the words to say. And sure enough, he came back, and he says, you know, me and my brother have been studying the Bible. We believe Saturday is the Sabbath. I about fell over. So an hour and a half later, on the phone with this gentleman, he knew nothing about Seventh-day Adventist. I mean, they lived way up in British Columbia. And he was asking me all these questions, and I was giving him answers. I hope they were the right ones. I mean, God was giving him the answers. But he... He wanted to know more and more. So, you know, when I got, I said, well, I said, he had a computer. I said, well, you can get on Amazing Facts. It is written, 3ABN. 
you know, and gave him all this stuff. And he was looking it up as we were talking. So the piece of equipment was actually supposed to leave in the next day or two. So I went up to the Bristol church, broke in, and grabbed every book they had on anything and stuffed in that machine. I, I think there was a Steps to Christ, Great Controversy, you know, Bible studies, whatever I could find in their church, it went. But I did tell them, and they were fine with that. But, you know, I don't know what happened to him. He ended up moving, and I lost contact. But, you know, we have to be prepared all the time. We have to be praying for those divine appointments. You know, I don't know how many times Pastor Pat sat next to somebody in an airplane and was able to talk to him for like six hours. I prayed getting on airplanes going, Lord, give me someone to talk to that I can, you know, apparently I'm not ready. Because I get the person that comes in, sits down, puts his earphones on, shuts his eyes, and that's the last I see of them. And sometimes they're long flights. But we always have to be prepared to do this. Prayer changes things, but sometimes even unanswered prayers are what we need. I look back when I was 17, 18, 19, and I thought, well, this is the way my life's going to be. And then it did a 90 and my life was going this way. And I can remember sitting with some of my friends and going, I really don't want to end up like these guys. Something has to change. So I got up and I left, and I, I never went back. And then, you know, I met Brock six months later. and God was preparing that all the way through. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, Prayer without ceasing. Does anybody ever get distracted when you're praying? Things pop up. Your phone dings. A bird's chirping outside. Sometimes you just can't concentrate. And I get so mad at myself. <laughs> you know, it's like, just tune it out. But there is times where I have a hard time tuning it out. And then I think, well, you know, the disciples when they were in Gethsemane, and Jesus told them to pray. I look, and I'm like, they, are, they were with Jesus, and they fell asleep three times, or Satan put them asleep three times. You know, so I sit there and I think, I can do better. I need to do better. And with God's help, we can do better. But there is sometimes, I don't know if anybody else ever has these. I get these impressions sometimes, just these feelings. That's why I called Dennis this morning. He was on my mind. Somebody told me to call him. I have no idea why. Sometimes somebody's name from this church, out of this church, will come into my mind and I'll say, pray for him. Well, I pray for him wasn't always that way. I would get these impressions before, and I'd be like, eh, 
I'm not going to call them. I don't know them that well, for one thing. I don't need to do that. Well, give you a couple of examples. Why now? When I get that impression, that's why I texted that pastor this morning, too. I was like, something told me, you know, just text him and thank him for coming and how we respected, you know, his, because he might have been feeling bad. I don't know. But I'll give you two examples of why I don't ignore that little voice anymore. I was uh, driving. I'm usually driving when this stuff hits me, by the way. I was driving, and I thought, I need to call one of my old friends. It was a girl. I always tell Brenda when I call somebody. But I thought, oh, I haven't talked to her for a long time, and something kept telling me, just call her. So I called. said, hey, how are you doing? Oh, good. And I could tell in her voice that there was something that wasn't quite right. I said, you sure you're okay? And she goes, well, since you ask, she says, I dated this guy like six years ago, and he's harassing me. And I'm like, oh. I said, so what are we? And she says, actually, the, the cops are coming over tonight to take a statement from me. And I don't know, we probably talked for, well, all the way home, so probably close to a half hour. And she's not a Christian. So I said, you know, I said, I'll pray for you. And then there was that silence. I always get that silence. And she said, thank you. I needed that. Have you ever missed an opportunity to witness to somebody? That was a golden opportunity. All I had to say was, can I pray with you? Do you think that came to my mind? No. I told her I would pray for her, and I did. But I should have prayed with her. So, you know, that is one of the reasons. Probably the biggest reason that I listened to that voice is I called a buddy. I knew that he'd been struggling for the last year, year and a half, you know, through his business and different things like that. And, it, you know, I got the impression, I, it was like 9.30 at night, said, call him. I'm like, nah, it's too late. Call him. Well, I'm tired. You better call. Call now. So I'm like, okay. I called. Phone rings. And it rings and rings, rings, goes to voicemail. Said, see, didn't need to call. Said, call again. And I'm like, I just called. Call again. I'm like, so it probably a couple minutes went by. So I called. He says, hello? I say, hey, how you doing? He says, oh, I'm struggling. I said, where are you at? He says, I'm driving home from, I can't remember where it was. It was way up north. He says, I am just uh, drove through Fife Lake. I'm by the X, or where you turn to go to Traverse City there, up on 131. So we talked about a lot of different things and until he got home, lived near Cadillac. So we talked and talked, and, you know, I didn't think too much of it. Well... 
it had probably been two, three years later, I find out, he tells me, uh, you remember that night you called me? I said, yeah. He said, for some reason, it just stays in my mind. He says, well, I was driving off the bridge. I had about a minute to make that phone call. If I wouldn't have called back, he was driving off the bridge. To this day, it chokes me out. Because if I would have neglected my duty, he would have probably drove off that bridge. But he is now doing good. <laughs> and, you know, there is times in our lives where we really struggle. And that is one of those times. But what always makes you feel better? And this helped him, too, to serve others. You know, that kids went down to, uh, Katie, if you want to hook that up. You know, the kids went down to Detroit. I would have loved to went to Detroit. But it was the same time we were interviewing a pastor. I mean, we've taken the kids to, you know, Grand Rapids, different places with the homeless and passed out backpacks and did food. I love that atmosphere of serving others. And when this video, when we were talking with Chad Bernard down at camp meeting, he's like, I can't find anybody to help. So we made it a matter of prayer. And what did he say? He had 11 projects, which you don't know what kind of impact that made, not only on the people, I heard that you talked with the lady uh, quite extensively. Yeah. Would have you ever met this lady without going down there to do that? No. She would have had no contact with anything. But, you know, if somebody came and helped me like that, I would at least check out to see what kind of people are these. I'm sure that they're going to make that. You know, they're going to try to make some connection with some advent of some place. Or maybe it's when... They get that flyer in the mail here in another month, and they go, Seventh Ed, that's who helped me. I'm going to go check this out. We don't know. And that's, that's the cool part of the story because you just don't know what happens. Are you ready? Close? I'll just turn this down for a second. If you saw this earlier at Sabbath School, try to pick out something you missed. and say thank you to everyone who helped make Fieldwork Detroit a huge success. Thank you to the donors, to the volunteers, to the planners, everyone who was involved. We praise God for what he was able to do through all of you this last weekend. I thought it'd be good to show you a couple of projects and before and afters. We had a lot of people contacting us saying, hey, we want to see the, the videos. And so here's, here's a few of the projects. Do you remember the one of the, the young lady in it who needed a new privacy fence? Well, she doesn't need one anymore, and one day this crew was able to remove her existing fence that was in much need of repair, 
and put up a new one for us. So we praise God for that. Great job, team. How about that lady who has lived in the same house for over 60 years and had her garage fall down in her backyard? Well, that garage is gone thanks to the hard work of these individuals, both young and old, who worked in, by the way, 90-degree heat. But I didn't hear any complaining, and this team actually said they're ready for another project. Do you remember that lady with the broken windows? Well, this project was taken on by a group of college students who purchased the glass, cut it on the site, and then installed it on the same day. And, and finally, one more. Um, we had a house that their porch was in dire need of repair. It was falling apart. And we had a crew come in. They did some painting. They helped with their gutters. And they actually transformed this room into a space where the family can now spend together. And what made it all worth it was at the end, this little girl, their, their daughter, got in the back room and said, I love this room, Mommy. By God's grace, we were able to help 11 homes on Sunday. And every project we started, we finished. You know, you could do this in your community. Why not partner with us? Go to our website, fieldwork.love. Fill out the contact form and let's talk. We would love to do something in your area. Thanks again for all of you that helped, through you, whether it's your financial support, whether you volunteered on the site, and there were prayer warriors I know praying for us throughout this project. Thank you. Keep praying as we show the world God's love one person at a time. So one person at a time. Doesn't seem like it's very big. Seems like we should have hundreds at a time. But it only takes one at a time. You know, we, we serve a God who doesn't change. He listens to our prayers. Sometimes he doesn't answer the way we think he should answer. But it's always for our own good. You know, if you don't remember anything else of what I said today... I was driving through Marion, I think it was, let me see, I think it was Wednesday, and I saw a sign at a church, and I always read them, I don't know why, sometimes I'm like, oh, that's really good, and then I'm like, oh, that's not good, but I thought this was pretty fitting, you know, we've been talking about struggles, the things you have to go through, and this sign in front of the church, I don't even know what church it was, it says, the struggle is real, but so is God. And I thought, that is so fitting. I'm like, I could have just read that and sat down because that is so true. Our struggles are real, but our God is bigger. I mean, we, we have problems. We have difficulties, pain, suffering. But our God is great. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you, to pray to you, to witness for you. Father, we just ask that we would take these things today and put them in our own lives. Help us to reach one person at a time. Help us to be that one that connects with a person. We just ask that in your name. Amen.
And for our closing song, almost well. what is it? 229. And thank goodness Katie's coming to save me. Amen. 229. Please stand. You know, actually, Katie was changed this year. She was baptized. I can tell you this. That was one of the highlights that I've had in this church because she asked me to be in the baptistry. Watched her face go beneath that water and come out was... It touched me. So let's pray. Dear Father, we ask that you change each and every one of us. Change us for the good. Draw us closer to you. We ask that you would be with those who couldn't be here today. We ask for all the different ministries of this church, Father. And we just ask that you would bless each and every one here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.